I think it was Bezos in 2012 who said, your personal brand or your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Now, I would update that to the 2021 and beyond version to say, your brand is what people say about you before you get in the room. Because if you have a reputation that precedes you, we've all been in situations like that. And you've had situations like that where you've walked into an auditorium to speak, but you knew everybody knew who you were already. That's what branding is. So whether you're in the office and I've worked in office, I've, I've been in corporate, I've been in organizational life, you've already got one. So you might as well become a better one. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Mike Kim. He's the author of You Are the Brand, the eight-step blueprint to showcase your unique expertise and build a highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. Now that is a dream for everybody to build that highly profitable, personally fulfilling business. Who doesn't want to do that? Mike believes it is possible and you are more than capable of doing it, but he wants you to realize first that you are a brand and to act accordingly. I love this conversation because it gives us so much to think about as all of us are trying to figure out how do we pivot in this post-COVID landscape. So if you're thinking about starting a new business or just branding yourself differently, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Mike Kim. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Laurie. It's great to be here. Great to be with everyone who's tuning in. Well, for everybody who doesn't know who you are, which I can't imagine that's a lot of people, we're fans of yours over here at Punk Rock HR. Why don't you tell us who you are and what you're all about? Yeah. So the stodgy answer is that I've been a personal brand consultant for a couple of years. I've worked with some folks who are uppity up in the business thought leadership space, helping them market their books, their online courses, their coaching certification programs. At the end of the day, I just want to help the small sliver of the population that wants to go out and create impact with their ideas, get their message heard, help them do a good job of it, live a good life, make a good impact on the world and call it done. Well, let's talk a little bit about this idea of personal branding, because for every person listening, they have their own unique definition of what personal branding is. So what's yours? It is a forward public facing identity that is a composite of your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, and your personality, and sometimes, yes, your image and how you dress. Now, this whole idea of the branding is just identity. You and I know that. You know, we all know that. It's farmers burning a brand onto their livestock. And as I was doing research for this book, I came across this English potter born in the 1700s named Josiah Wedgwood. And this guy won the competition put on by Queen Charlotte for pottery. And after that, the dude started calling all his stuff Queensware. Brilliant. Right. And he shipped it out. He's the guy who came up with free shipping and money back guarantees. He opened a, an exclusive showroom for the more affluent in England. So that's where it started. But, you know, now we have the internet and the interwebs. And since the dawn of the internet, we've all been trying to look good a certain way. And that's our reputation. That's our personal brand. It's even with our resumes, it's our branding, it's our identity. Well, I want to talk about your book in a second. But man, this Wedgwood guy, he set us up for either success or failure. I'm not exactly 
exactly sure. For years, I went around the country and said, I don't know about personal branding because I'm not a bottle of laundry detergent. I'm not a bottle of shampoo. I'm a human being and allegedly I have a soul. That's what people keep telling me. So it always felt like personal branding was a real incomplete way of talking about who I am to the marketplace. But I will say this, now that I'm a published author and I'm out there more and I have a bigger audience, there is no easier way than personal branding and also more complicated way to communicate who I am and what I'm all about. Like I have to have a personal brand, but there's tension there because I always feel like something's missing. So do you get where I'm coming from on that? I do. And this idea of a personal brand, even when I started out years ago, I didn't really like the phrase. It's just what I thought people would end up using. And now it's everywhere. Yeah. The idea of personal branding is not new at all. It's why we like Taylor Swift more than Katy Perry or vice versa. It's why we like one NBA player more than another. And it has nothing to do with who's the better player. It's a composite of their ideas, their expertise, their reputation, their personality. Years ago, my mom got like years, years decades ago, I should say, when I was a really little kid, my mom got caught up in the home juicing craze. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So I remember these, that. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. The juice man juicer, which was kind of the heavy hitter at the time. And then along came Jack LaLanne. And I know you're training. And this was like one of the OG fitness guys, right? And this dude had gyms everywhere. Jack LaLanne gyms, fitness centers. And he's on these infomercials 24-7. He's like 78 years old doing like 78 chin-ups. You're like, what the like what? And he's like, it's because I juice using his juicer, of course, not the other guy's juicer, his juicer. And that's the power of the personal brand. You, I mean, she bought his juicer because we saw his gyms. We saw him on the infomercials. And kind of another segue to that is like, she made me this juice. It's the nastiest crap I've ever tasted. I was so disgusting. I don't know what she put in it. Beets, carrots, celery, and like some moss from our backyard. And it was this odd color. I didn't know how to describe it. And now I call it blender gray. <laughs> I had that. Yes. And it's just, this gray, some scoops of protein, right? Yeah. Yeah. This grayish brown green tinge. And I'm sure it was nutritious, but it just tasted awful. And that kind of leads me to one of my points about personal branding. We may have good stuff inside of us, but if we don't know how to tell stories, we don't share a clear point of view on something. And we don't wrap that in an identity that makes it easy for people to understand what we do. We end up turning blender gray. We're just another suit. We're just another talking head. And so even right there is just a really simple analogy. Never be blender gray. And it doesn't mean you have to be outspoken or outlandish. Just share your stories and own who you really are. That's really lovely. I love any story that involves a mom. There's just something warm and loving about that. That's so great. And contrasting your mom, who's probably this warm figure in your life with a blender Grazed is so smart. It's absolutely great. Well, Mike, you are the expert on personal branding. So I'm going to get out of your way while you tell us about your new book. What's it all about and who's it written for? Well, the title is You Are the Brand and it's a blueprint. It's an eight step blueprint to really help you build a business around your personal brand. I worked for years in corporate. I was part of different organizations. My most recent corporate job was as the CMO of a company. But I had this dream to be Lori Rudiman. Like I wanted to go write books and share my ideas and not go in to an office all the time if I didn't want to. Like I really wanted to do some work that was outside the confines of just one organization. So I'd go down to Barnes and Noble. Shout out to Menlo Park Mall in Edison, New Jersey. That's really where I spent my time. I was scouring the shelves for books about reinventing yourself. And there were a lot of books out there or like books like What Color Is Your Parachute that come out every year? What kind of job do you want to switch into? And I was like, no, I don't want that. I want to do what this guy's doing. I want my book on a shelf. 
And yet I discovered that building a business around that was not always an easy thing. And the way I sort of discovered this was that, A, I sort of had a knack for it because Early, early on in my life, I was, as many good Koreans are apt to do, really involved in church. And I just noticed some guys were better at speaking than others. And people had different reputations than others. And then I was a sports fan. And then I loved comic books. Some artists had a better quote unquote brand than others. And I started to become fascinated by this idea of marketing people. Why do we like Kobe Bryant more than Michael Jordan, even though they're very comparable in skill? It's not just their team. It's their personality. It's their ideas. It's how they carry themselves. And I realized that marketing was a lot like music and art and comic books. Like there's an art and yet there's science to it. And so the book is really geared towards corporate professionals who want to build an expert business and to help you build a compelling personal brand to build the actual business around. It's not a book about image, but it will show you how this weird world of marketing, your ideas, your messages, how it really works. And the bottom line really is like why the best marketing strategy is to simply tell the truth. And we need more of that in the world. I think the world is a better place when we do that. Well, I love people who tell the truth. I will give them my money all day long. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. You know, I love the timing of this book because I believe we're about to embark on this great talent swap where scared people will quit their terrible job and take another terrible job because it pays 10% more. But really brave people will opt out and do things differently. But opting out is scary. And you and I both have a passion for working with fresh and new entrepreneurs. And I think one of the things that people don't index enough on with entrepreneurs is this idea of marketing and sales. They think, all right, I've got a good network on LinkedIn. I'm going to hang a shingle. I'm going to maybe publish an article or two on LinkedIn and open up a Twitter account, and then people are going to come. So talk to me a little bit about what you see with the economy. Are you like me? Do you think more people are going to opt for entrepreneurship? And what's the role of marketing in those early days? I think more people are going to try. That's for sure. They're going to try, and I hope I can help in some way, shape, or form. But my philosophy on marketing is this. Marketing isn't about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. That's what the entire book is about. That's what my career has been about as a consultant and a strategist. And what we've seen now and what we're going to see is a sifting between the people who are doing this, quote unquote, the wrong way and, quote unquote, the right way. Now, let me elaborate. I see people do it one of two ways, especially because of Instagram and YouTube in recent years becoming more of a visual image oriented platform. On one hand, you have people who are completely selling a false version of themselves. Let's just be honest, right? These are folks, extreme example, but this happens. Rent a mansion on Airbnb, stage a photo shoot, imply that it's their house. And if you buy my mastermind and my program, you'll have this kind of success. And it's like these people don't understand that attention is not owed to you. It's earned. You got to earn it. Now, on the flip side, another extreme example, we have folks who are oversharing things in the name of authenticity, quote unquote. And that's a real big word right now. And these folks are just selling their struggles. They don't have a solution. They're not leading. They're not becoming the person they're trying to sell to people. They are like folks who a car wreck on the highway, traffic crawls to a stop. Yeah, they get attention, but you can't build anything around it. It's just passing eyeballs. If you've ever seen anyone post a nasty picture of like a gash on their leg on Facebook, right away, block, unfriend or unfollow or mute. No one wants to see that and get triggered while I'm scrolling through Facebook. Mike, I have a confession for you. When people post photos of their feet, 
I unfollow them. Even if they have really great feet, even if I love them dearly, I'm like, I'm out. I just cannot. I so I, I can't do it. I get TMI. Yeah, exactly. I get what you're saying. And yet there is this desire, I think, when you're opening a business and you are interested in marketing and you want to do it right to really show the world whether you're there or not, that you could be there and you can take those people with you. So talk to me about some of the strategies that you discuss in your book, that you give in your keynotes. When you want to have a social media presence, when you want to do it right, what are some of the tricks of the trade? What are the top producers doing to make sure they nail it? If you remember nothing else from this interview, here's the bottom line. Here's the question that serves as the litmus test for everything. Can you build a campfire around it? That is the leading principle of the book. And what I mean by that, juxtaposed against these two extremes of people and how they're trying to build a brand on image or their struggles, by that I mean, is what you're sharing, is it warm? Is it inviting? Is it a beacon of light in a world of darkness and cold? Are you someone who people actually want to sit around and share stories with? Are you someone that people want to sit at a campfire with? Can you build a community around it? That's what a campfire is. And when you have a big enough campfire, it turns into a bonfire. And that's what a lot of these personal brand, quote unquote, experts slash gurus, you name it, have become. You have done this with this podcast. It's you. And you have a community of people because you've done the hard freaking work of becoming the person you're trying to sell to people. The first chapter is titled, Who Do You Have to Become in Order to Serve the People You Want to Serve? And that's the North Star, Lori. That's true authenticity. That's different than transparency, which is look at my feet. (laughs) But authenticity is, hey, I'm sharing something on social media, even though it has nothing to do directly with my business. But I just posted this a few weeks ago. I showed my mom the actual copy of my book. You saw that video on Instagram and the engagement, quote unquote, engagement and all the marketing metrics went through the roof. But why? Because it's a human moment. Everyone can relate to that their mom being proud or hoping that their mom would ever be proud. It's a campfire moment. And that's really the litmus test. Well, I love the wisdom of being around a campfire and hopefully creating a bonfire. I'd love your take on this because every once in a while, I find myself addicted to my phone, right? Like everybody else. And I'm just like tweeting stuff and putting stuff on Instagram that probably has no business being out there, but I'm LFR, right? I'm going to do it, whatever. And I developed a test. And so I want to know what you think about this. I have three followers all named Wendy that I know of. I probably have more than that, but three, Wendy Daly, Wendy Hamilton, and Wendy Berry. And I think to myself, would one or all three of the Wendy's respond to this positively? Would they understand where I'm coming from? Would they think I was cool or interesting or this is helpful? Would they think I was silly and goofy, but it's still okay? If it passes the one Wendy test, I put it out there. If I later go back and look and it doesn't pass the one Wendy test, I pull it down. I don't know. What do you think about that? I love that actually. I really do. There are some people that will resonate more with things than others will, and you just never know really what it is. Back to this whole example of posting your feet or your nasty knee gash on Facebook. I mean, what if that's a trigger to somebody? These folks that post pictures of the car accident they've been in, like you have no idea what kind of triggers you're stepping on for the hundreds or even thousands of people that are following you on social media. You don't know. What if I lost my dad in a car accident and I see that, right? So I love the spirit of that law, if you will. Well, and I love what you're saying about really being respectful of your audience and trying to build a campfire, a bonfire, a movement, not really focusing on yourself. Give us another example from the book of a story or just a piece of information that we absolutely need to know. 
Three questions, and this is really where it starts in terms of forming a message. And the overarching principle is to actually have a point of view. You know, a lot of us have had our own point of views pummeled out of us by work life, organizational life, you name it. But the three questions I always start with to help people re-engage that sometimes very atrophied muscle of self-expression is what pisses you off, what breaks your heart, and what's the big problem you're trying to solve? And I use those words on purpose because it has to be emotional. It has to come from the core. I'm a New Jersey guy. You know, we talk like this. And what pisses you off is the injustice you see in the world. The thing that breaks your heart is the compassion you have for people or for a cause. And what's the big problem you're trying to solve is your business or is your role at the company. It's what you do. Business is nothing more than solving a problem for a profit. And there are also problems that are not profitable to solve, which is why we need nonprofits. So it goes both ways, but you still have to start with what pisses you off and what breaks your heart. And the fact that I can reverse engineer your message, Lori, using those three questions is why you have such clarity. If people can tell that the answers to those questions by listening to just one or two podcast episodes, that means you have clarity in your message. That means you've got a campfire growing into a bonfire, growing into a blaze. That's what makes it clear and attractive. Well, you know, I wouldn't be a podcast host worth her salt if I didn't ask you what pisses you off. So what pisses you off, Mike? So there are a lot of things, but this is the funny thing. When I started my business, it all started with a story again with my mom. So it's funny that we're talking about mom. November 2013, I literally remember it to this day because it was Thanksgiving. I was living in Piscataway, New Jersey, a little two-bedroom condo, and it was the first time I was ever going to host Thanksgiving. So I had my mom and her husband drive up from Philadelphia, my sister and eventual husband, her fiance at the time, visit from Washington, D.C., and I was working as the CMO for this company. So I'm trying, quote unquote, trying to cook and doing all the things, and this is wonderful. And this is the first time in my life that I stayed up drinking with my mother, like till one or two in the morning, like good Koreans are apt to do. We're throwing back shots of soju and wine. We're mixing. We're going to be a train wreck. And Laura, she's telling me all these crazy stories. She's like, yeah, the first time you ever got drunk when you were three years old, you were teething. So you and your father, my father, your father and I put rubbed whiskey on your gums. And you passed out. We thought you were going to die. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm like la laughing, right? <laughs> she's telling me like, oh, when I was young, me and your aunt snuck out. She's completely plastered. We stole your grandfather's whiskey and we ran down the street to our friend's house and we drank it and we put it back. I'm like, first, my paradigm of my mother has been completely shattered now. Second, I'm cracking up. This is one of the best nights of my life. And I get an email. We need you to come into work tomorrow. I was so pissed off. You know, as a CMO of the company, we weren't Best Buy. We didn't have retail goods to sell. There was no reason. I was already going in 60 hours a week. And that pissed me off. For the first time, I said, I'm really going to get serious about having agency over my own life. I don't mind a job. I don't mind a good position. There are many people listening to us right now who have good jobs. I'm not saying that jobs are bad. It's just that was the catalyst for me to say, I need to start living life on my own terms. And so that really, to no end, just pissed me off. I was like, what if I get in a car accident? What if she gets in a car accident? What if we never have nights like this again? They're at my house by themselves. That's lame. So the question becomes, did you go to work? I did. I went. I think like so many people out there now today, they make those tough choices because of financial obligations or commitments to their team or whatever it is. They're going to go to work and they're going to make that decision and it's going to eat them alive. But they may not be entrepreneurs, right? To your point, they may be entrepreneurs. They may be corporate professionals who actually love being a part of something greater than themselves. 
Do they need personal brands as well? Yeah, because you already have one. And it's what you call a reputation, right? I think it was Jeff Bezos. I tried to look this up, but I think it was Bezos in 2012 who said, your personal brand or your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Now, I would update that to the 2021 and beyond version to say, your brand is what people say about you before you get in the room. Because if you have a reputation that precedes you, we've all been in situations like that. And you've had situations like that where you've walked into an auditorium to speak, but you knew everybody knew who you were already versus who this lady, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know I've had uh, those moments do, too, though. <laughs> doing, doing 400 pound deadlifts on her Instagram. Like, what is this? Right. And that's what branding is. So whether you're in the office and I've worked in office, I've, I've been in corporate, I've been in organizational life. You've already got one, so you might as well become a better one, which is the whole point of this. And people will say, well, Mike, I don't want to be fake. That feels like it's not really me. I just want to be me all the time. That's a bunch of BS. Look, my friends know me very differently than my family who know me very differently than my colleagues. I swear my friends and family still don't understand how I make money or what I do for a living. They know me completely different than my work colleagues. And when those worlds intersect, it's hilarious. Like a lot of my work friends have become friends of my normal quote unquote real life friends. And they're like, we don't understand what Mike does. Like, what does you do stuff like him too? You're one of these weird coaching consultant people. What the frick, you know? But all of those identities are still me. So yeah, you got to do the hard work of becoming who you're trying to say that you are, and then everything will fall into place. Well, as we start to wrap up the conversation, I want to know what you want to leave our audience with, our community with. Like, What's really important for them to know about Mike Kim, the message, the book? My favorite chapter in the book is the last one, and it's because nobody really talks about this, or I haven't seen it talked about a lot. But if I could say to you one thing that will help you in your life, no matter where you are, is to understand that relationships are rocket ships. I've had so many people rally around. It's just, I've tried to do the hard work of cultivating relationships. And the overarching principle is this, because a lot of people will then have comparison traps set in and say, well, if I worked at that company or I did this, or I had that kind of mentor, it would be better. Here's what I would say. Don't look for a significant place to serve. Make where you're serving significant. Go all out. You're going to win. At the end of the day, you're going to win. Ultimately, there's no way that you can't win. Be generous. Open doors for people. I truly believe that stuff. So outside of all the tactical, strategic, copywriting type of stuff that I say in the book, that's really a life principle that's helped me. And wherever you are, whatever level you are at your department, whatever stage you're at in your side hustle or in your career, whatever it is, make where you serve significant. Focus on the people who are at your party, not on who's not there. And you do that, you'll come out on top. You'll have greater influence, impact, and yeah, income, but you won't care about it as much as you will about the other things. So yeah, that's the message. Well, Mike, I'm so pleased you are on the show today. And I want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, Jennifer McClure, who introduced us, host of the Impact Makers podcast. We love her. We appreciate her. And I'm very lucky that she brought you into my life. So thanks, Jennifer, for that. And Mike, we'll share all of your good stuff in our show notes, but just tell everybody where they can go and find you on the internet. The book is at youarethebrandbook.com. But hey, you're listening to a podcast. And if you want to jump on over and hear my podcast, it's called Brand You, the great Lori Rudiman is on the show. She's been there and we'll be back time and time again. So I know most people listen to about seven podcasts a week. So give me a shot. Let me be one of your seven for a few weeks. And if you like it, just keep on listening. But the brand new podcast is where you can find me. I love it, Mike. I was honored to be on your podcast. It's good stuff. You've got good people there. And thanks again for coming on the show and teaching us a little bit more about personal branding. It was my pleasure. Thank you. 
Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation on Punk Rock HR this week. Now, for more information, all the notes, all the highlights, all the resources, you know where to go. You can head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash podcast. Now, that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR. <laughs>